It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And now, give it up for your hosts, CJ, the painkiller, D. Simone, and Kevin Jackson. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and I'm normally joined by my right seater, Mr. Kevin Jackson, who has just entered the building. It's about freaking time, Jax. What the hell, man? Sorry, man. Just, you know, stuff has been going on today. This is a weird time of the year for me kids and all of that but also because of that I've, I've been dealing with a few instances of, of younger kids talking about suicide and it's not something to make light of quite honestly but uh, these past few weeks right before school started it's just been a little difficult for my my day-to-day the one good thing that I have is that uh, yeah Zach Wilson looked pretty good in his past little green and white scrimmage my man I think we got some positive stuff to, to discuss we've got some stuff to go on right now I'm really excited about where it is that we're at so um excuse my tardiness glad to be here What's going on with you, my guy? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I got a couple of housekeeping news and notes that I want to get over. I want to give a shout-out to Miss Alexis Gepner. She hooked me up with this badass T-shirt right here from the tailgate that she did last year, New York Jets versus Texans, the Houston Jet fans. Uh, she also sent me a bunch of bracelets, koozies right there. Ooh. All gas, no break. Want she- a koozie. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what to do. Reach out. I want a koozie. All right, yeah, I'm going to reach out reach to Reach out. Reach out to my girl right there. Yeah, I definitely wanted to give her a shout out because it, it's been a minute. I'm trying to get her back on the show at some point, whether we do it before the season, whether we do it during the season. So it'd be great to um to kind of get her thoughts and her perspective on the New York Jets. She brings a lot to the table in analysis and stuff like that because, I mean, look, there's a lot of women out there that know a lot about football. But let me tell you, Alexis is is very special, especially when it comes to everything New York Jets related. She knows uh, uh, just about as much as everyone. She's doing tremendous things with the Houston Jet Fans Club down there. So if you haven't gotten the opportunity to, to go and check out her stuff, by all means, go and check them out. Give them a like. Give them a follow. They're a great bunch of people down there. They were uh, playing Houston, and I was in New York. <laughs> right. The year before, when we beat Dallas at home, I was in Dallas. So apparently it seems like I, I keep swapping every time we get a Texas game. It's freaking crazy, dude. All right. So anyhow, we're going to talk a little bit about the green and white scrimmage. I'm actually going to turn the floor over to Jax to give his thoughts about what he saw in the highlights of watching the green and white. It's not even called green and white scrimmage anymore. It's called green and white practice now. Basically. So, that's what it was. That's what yeah. it was. So, my man, tell me, the floor is yours. 
what did you see and what are your thoughts? What are your feelings right now? I'll begin with the first question. What did I see? I didn't see anything that I didn't expect. And I know that may be a broad kind of response to this, but the fact of the matter is, is that I expected to see Zach start to come along as far as his maturity and his gamesmanship. Really excited about where that's going to go. I expected to see more tight end involvement. And, you know, we I know we discussed earlier during silly season, I guess what we were looking for from Tyra Conklin, CJ Uzama, and I got kind of what it is that I expected. I think I said that once the tight ends get involved, the offense becomes a lot more prolific. And, and we're, we're seeing the early stages of it. Conklin was the star of the practice, and that is kind of in line with what my expectation was. I wasn't sure if it was going to be him or Uzama. I think that as the season goes forward, we'll kind of see them even out just a little bit. But I think the early returns will show Conklin was a phenomenal pickup. And I think Joe Douglas uh, really did a great job with completely transforming that tight end room. I think we saw Brees Hall, uh, which again is, is a really big part of what we expected. I know you and I, we, we have some differences on this, but I think uh, a lot of it is, is kind of in line with when I said, you know, expectations are difficult, but just watching them and seeing how uh, these things are shaking out. I think that we have no choice but to have them. I think expectations are going to be a little higher than what folks think. Um, something that I saw that that kind of, and not to get too far off the topic, but I, I want to say I think I was on DraftKings, and originally it had us at plus 2,200 for making the playoffs, and just recently it dropped to plus 700. And you know when the money guys start revising their uh, their forecasts, that means that there's something that either they know or that they really like. And I think that's an indicator of what we were talking about earlier. If things start to round out the way that we expect that they should, I think it's going to be really difficult for us to not have playoff expectations. To get back to the game, wide receivers are going to look decent. Um, we didn't really get a, an opportunity to see a lot of it, I think. We did see some flashes. And again, that's to be expected. We have more talent in those positions now than we have in multiple, multiple years um, and quite possibly almost decades. Marshall and Decker were, were an extremely exciting tandem, but I think that the deficiencies of uh, Ryan Six pick trap even kind of limited the, the, the record-breaking season that those guys put together. So I think we have more to be excited about going forward, even though those guys, uh, like I said, they, they were pretty prolific. How do I feel, right? This has been my slogan, right? And I, I kind of feel like I should have had a T-shirt already. I've been slipping on that. <laughs> it is one hell of a time to be a Jets fan. And even with the little shots from the peanut gallery every now and again, as a fan base, we're starting to round into really kind of expecting this team to be a lot better than where it is that we were. And, and the expectation for us has been that, you know, we'll be excited about what happens in the offseason and then, you know, the game start and it'll fall off. I don't know if I subscribe. I honestly have an extremely exciting optimism about this. I think we're going to be good. And I'm not going to say that we're going to, you know, kick in the door and be awesome from game one. I do think we'll play well in game one, quite possibly well enough to win that game. And depending upon how solid the defense can can come in, I think the offense is going to just do enough. I think uh, if our defense is decent, that we'll win that game. My expectation is that we'll, we'll play well, very well, very, very well towards the end of the season, depending upon how, knock on wood, the injuries go. I'm just really excited about this team, man. And I think it's, even with the limited play that we saw in the green and white practice. I think I see a lot that we should be excited about. So CJ, obviously I'm much more optimistic than you in most cases, but what did you see? Where are you at? I mean, are, am, am, do you feel like I'm way off or, or do you think I'm close or what, what are you at? Where are you at? Well, where I'm at is this. Zach Wilson in the offense for the first couple drives of the green and white practice looked really good. They went out there and they started to really put a couple of drives together, really had the defense on their heels. But then as always, what did you have? The defense catching up to the offense and the offense not being able to adjust. 
Now, that being said, Zach Wilson also did not get helped out by some drops. Yeah. Corey Davis dropped a pass. Garrett Wilson had a pass that was out of bounds. Jeff Smith dropped a pass. Tyler Conklin, who was the freaking beast. So he went out there and he busted ass. There was even one particular spot where I saw, and the only reason that I realized this is because when I was watching some of the highlights from Twitter that, were at, that was out there being posted, one of the things that I saw was... Zach starting to stare down receivers again. Yeah. All right. It's got to stop. He cannot stare down receivers. If you're going to sit there and you're going to stare down your receiver, you may as well just walk from the line of scrimmage to the nearest <laughs> defensive back, hand him the friggin' ball, and say, here you go, bud. Merry Christmas. Right. Because it's going to be a pick every single time. Now, there were a couple of picks that were made where Zach threw the ball and the defender made a tremendous play on the ball. So I don't want to throw Zach under the bus, but at the same right, I'm still not satisfied with where I feel this team should be at this particular moment in time. Now, I'm sure everyone's going to jump me in the comments for what, for what I'm about to say next. But CJ, they haven't played a preseason game. I don't care because what you do on the practice field the things that you do on the practice field, you have to translate into a game. So what? You got your first preseason game this upcoming Friday against Philadelphia Eagles. You better take what you guys are doing in practice, the little things, and clean them up. This is the time for you to get your stuff together, so to speak, right? Because we don't have four preseason games. We got three this year. So which means you got one game for room for error. One game is a dress rehearsal, and one game you gotta figure out what the bottom half of your 53 is gonna look like. And then you go steamroll into, into week one, all right? And I still don't think that this team is at a level right now where they need to be in order for them to get to that next level. Some people may say, dude, it's just practice. It's just practice. What are you jumping all over them for? I'm gonna tell you what I'm jumping all over them for. Because we get ourselves so psyched up at the green and white practice. Oh, this guy made a great play. That guy made a great play. The other guy made a great play. And this guy did this and this guy get that. And in week one, we go out and we get our friggin' teeth knocked in. Because we can't take what we practice and execute on game day. And I'm sorry, but you want to know something? This entire season for me is two words. Show me. That's where I'm at, Jax. What did you see, though? I mean, are you saying that what you saw was it just wasn't enough? It wasn't good enough yet? No, it's not where I think it needs to be. Because one of the things that I saw throughout the game was even in seven-on-seven drills, the offense have difficulty being able to adjust against the defensive fronts. And I still see that Zach, from time to time, is staring down receivers. Now look, if he only did it once or twice, or maybe three times, okay, fine. Every friggin' NFL quarterback is gonna get is gonna get caught doing that at one point or another. We've seen Tom Brady stare down friggin' receivers. But the thing that I want to see is, I want to see Zach Wilson be able to process, go through your X, go through your Y, go through your Z receiver, and if it's not there, then run. Or dirt the ball. Don't take a loss, don't take a sack, and don't do something stupid like trying to, to fit the ball through a window you have no business trying to fit it through. That's what I'm saying. Now, as far as the defense is concerned, the defense is where it always is in regards to the New York Jets. The New York Jets have always had a solid defense. The New York Jets have always had a competitive defense. But here's the thing, Jax. I don't want to see our defense on the game for 80% of the game. So am I tripping? Tell me. Look, 
No, you and I have had these conversations a million times, right? We've been doing the show for multiple years now. And before that, Spot, you know, kind of working with each other. I, I think not really much has changed outside of the composition of the team. And I think that is where it is that we're kind of separating right now. I don't fault you for not believing it until we see it. I don't, I don't fault you for that. I don't think there's anyone that is 100% sold on, on this team. Even myself, as optimistic as I am, I'm not ready to proclaim that they're it just yet. I think that there is a, you know, a, a pretty solid possibility that they can be. But, you know, if, again, is doing a lot of work here. If is doing a lot of work as far as, you know, obviously the two letters. And it's a huge, huge kind of factor in, in how it is that these things shake out. You and I, what we're going to see over the course of these next couple of weeks, the chrysalis solidify, right, in, in, into either the moth or the butterfly or however that analogy it is that you want to use. But the expectation is that as we watch them now kind of flash here and there, that it's going to be a little bit more consistent, that the offensive line is going to begin to gel. How many reps have these guys had all together as a as a, a starting five? And, and now, and I know we're going to get to this a, a little a little later on, but and now with the possibility of Makai Becton actually maybe losing some time here in practice, um, going into that first preseason game against Philly next Friday, and what we're having is is a little bit of a deficiency in that available time. If is huge, but if some of the things that we expected for them to have happen early on, like the offensive line drilling, like these young skill position players coming into their own and getting comfortable, like Zach Wilson actually being able to kind of get over some of the hiccups and the yips that he uh, experienced as a rookie and moving into what it looks like to be a veteran quarterback. If those things happen, uh, I said it earlier, I, I think we're going to be in good shape. Um, as of right now, I'm still thinking two and two in first four because I honestly do think that we're going to catch Baltimore by surprise. They're not going to have any film on us. And if uh, if what I believe Matt LaFleur is, is, is capable of is going to be on display, they're going to have a hard time stopping us. So, look, I feel you. Um, and, again, I, I am of the same mind, man. Until they do it, there's really nothing much that we can say. My expectation is that they will. All right. So, real quick, before we switch gears and talk about our next topic of conversation in tonight's broadcast, I want to play for you a little bit of the Robert Sala press conference uh, and especially in regards to the injury to Makai Becton. Go. Yes, Ken. No, he's uh, uh, being evaluated. That's about all I got. He, um, mm-hmm. It looked like he, I mean, it, his toe kind of got caught in the turf when he, he bent a little weird, so obviously he was immediately grabbing his knee. Is that something you guys are concerned about, considering it was the one that was surgically repaired? Yeah, the, the only thing I got is that it's stable. Everything seems fine. Preliminary, obviously, we're just going to get it checked uh, for precautionary reasons, but... Uh, as of now, it doesn't seem like uh, it's a big deal, but knock on wood, hopefully it stays the case. You say you get checked, is he going to go for an MRI? Yeah, that's all standard procedure. Here, Robert Sala addressed the injury to Makai Becton. Now, in case you live under a rock, Makai Becton got hurt today. Second play on practice, okay? Somehow his, his cleat or his toe got stuck in the ground. He felt a pull on the surgically repaired knee. He hit the ground for a little bit. He was on the floor for a little bit. He got up, tried to walk it off, ended up going to the sideline very gingerly on the surgically repaired knee. You know where I'm going with this. So I'm going to give you first crack at the tee. Talk to me, Jax. We're in bad shape if he's hurt, seriously. And I mean, you know me. I've been picking at Makai, you know, a few times over the course of the the, the offseason. But I still had the belief that this kid, when he comes back, is going to be able to play well. There's no accounting for injuries like this, right? There is no accounting for injuries like this. 
The fact is, is that when he plays, he plays at an extremely high level. But what's the saying? The best ability is availability, right? And now this kid is struggling right now. And as much as I was really excited about seeing him come back and was really, you know, kind of uh, happy for him that the weight issue was, was being put to bed, I knew when I was listening to this press conference earlier and I listened to about 10 or 15 minutes worth of Dick Chimney uh, asking stupid ass questions, um, I realized that this is going to end up being a, a, a continuous uh, conversation until um, he plays more than 15 or 16 games in a season. So um, it's going to be very hard for him to do that, I think. I, we don't know the severity of this injury. We don't know how long it's going to keep him out. Depending um, upon when we actually can see him back again, um, this could either blow up in our faces and get worse or it could end up being a non-factor and something that we're talking about sparingly uh, going into the season. So I know where you're going with this just because it is, it's a big deal. Makai Becton was in the spotlight a couple of weeks ago because of how big of a deal it actually is that he comes back and he plays at the level that we expect him to because if he does, I'm not sure who said it, but uh, it'll probably be one of the best offensive lines in the league. I believe that to be the case if all of these guys are healthy. So the sighting of Dwayne Brown, I think is a big deal. I think that also kind of puts us a, even a little more into a spot where maybe we take a step back because George Fan obviously isn't as strong on the right side, but uh, Dwayne Brown is one of the top uh, left tackles in the league. And I don't think that we'd be trying to play him at right tackle just to keep George Fan happy. So Makai Becton's an issue, man. If this injury is serious and if this does keep him down for multiple weeks, it's really hard to call, but I'm not sure if he actually makes it to the fifth year. All right, so I'm going to play a little bit more at this press conference, and then I'm going to give my thoughts. So let's pick up right where we stopped. That's a joke question. <laughs> It, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's football. You know, I, um, I'm not jinxing anything. I, I, in my heart, think he'll be just fine. But uh, um, once we get more information, we'll, we'll see. But it looked like he was laboring a little earlier in practice. How do you balance like what you push through and, and when you know it's a little bit too much for that? Um, again, I, I didn't really see the beginning portion of practice for him. I'm uh, all over the place, but. Uh, it was hot. It is sticky out there today. Um, I think 90% humidity. So a lot of guys were laboring earlier. I do think the group, the entire offensive and defensive side, got stronger as the day went on, which was encouraging. But uh, but that's part of it. You know, you you've got to be able to push through. You've got to be able to test your limits and uh, and get yourself to a point where you're uh, preparing yourself uh, preparing yourself for week one. All right. Now I'm about to tee off on this. This is the reason why I said all offseason we needed to get another tackle. This is why I said you needed to draft another offensive lineman or sign somebody in free agency. You can't count on this kid to stay healthy. How many Instagram videos he posts of him and his athletic trainer, his nutritionist coach, his personal jockstrap holder. Look at him. Hard again. The season hasn't even started. We haven't even played a preseason game. Give me a break with this guy. I'm done. I'm done with Makai Becton. I don't care if he plays for the entire season. Joe Douglas better go and better sign another five tackles to back up that spot. Because if you're telling me right now that George Fant is our best option, and now we got to go get another right tackle, probably somebody else's throwaways, or rotate the bargain bin at friggin' McDonald's to go get more right tackles and more offensive linemen, you think this offensive line is going to stay together? 
You think Zach Wilson's gonna actually have a chance to take a step forward if we have issues with this offensive line? You gotta be kidding me! What are your thoughts? <laughs> There's a part of you yeah. that wanted to bust out laughing. Well, no, <laughs> I, I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, again, it's a big deal. It's a huge, huge deal. Um, but we don't know the extent of where it is that he's at right now. So the possibility is, and I mean, the expectation is he's a huge guy. And maybe uh, they'll take precautions and they'll give him a day or two to kind of the soreness subside. But I mean, he hasn't played football in a year. And he is dealing with, uh, you know, a, an injury that, that took him much longer to come back from than what anybody expected. I get it. I'm not mad at it. I'm going to keep it real. I mean, what else can I say other than we have to wait and see? Do I agree? Maybe we should have drafted one. I don't know about the draft. But I do think that, uh, you know, being able to kind of plug some guys in uh, in free agency is, is, is a good opportunity for us. And, you know, again, just because Joe Douglas has proved to be prescient in, in, in some of the stuff that he's done, that Dwayne Brown sighting is, uh, is all the more kind of relevant to what it is that we have going on. So, you know, I'll expect that, you know, Joe Douglas might sweeten the offer to Dwayne Brown as of right now. If he does that and, and we bring him in, I think this is an upgrade over what it is that we got from Morgan Moses. And Morgan Moses was actually a pretty solid, you know, kind of plug and play option for us last season when uh, when some guys went down. So I'm not mad at that. How it affects Fant, yeah, that that is, uh, you know, a little bit of a question mark for me. But I've said it before, and I guess you you know it. I mean, I'm not saying anything that you haven't heard. And the guys that are watching with us, uh, welcome uh, once again, guys, if I hadn't already said that. Uh, we appreciate you rocking with us. Um, but until we know exactly what's what, it's really difficult for me to really kind of get too high or too low about this. I really do feel like if he does play and if he can play at the level that we expect, if he can stay healthy, that we're in good shape. If he's not, I don't necessarily want to say that we're screwed, but it obviously isn't ideal. Because now we do have to figure out what our options are going to be for a long-term player at that position. I can't say fan at this point is a long-term option. I can't say that Max Mitchell's a long-term option because we don't know. I mean, even Dwayne Brown, and he's got a shelf life. I mean, what, another two, three years possibly? I mean, was he 38, something like that, I think, coming in? It's hard to say, man. I don't want to dive off the deep end just yet, but I feel you. I do. I get All right. It. So what I want to do is I want to get these comments on the air. I want to appreciate everybody who's in the comments tonight. Scott Kalisby, Justin Jett is watching, Guy Fisher is in there, Thomas Gutman, John Suggs I saw in there. Again, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Guy Fisher, CJ and Spotty, Jet up. Justin Jett, shout out to him. Hey, CJ and Kevin rocked the show tonight. Scott Kalisby shared, Justin Jett shared, Guy Fisher shared. Guy Fisher to, to uh, Kevin Jackson, glad to have you. Um, Thank you guys. And of course, fire Jeff Albrecht now because it wouldn't be a show <laughs> without without Guy Fisher bitching about Jeff Albrecht. No, we can't have that. Okay. <laughs> Guy Fisher letting us know Beckton down again. We play Wednesday night. No, we don't play Wednesday night. We actually play Friday, I believe, which okay. is the 12th. Yep. So Scott Kalispe, three-game winning streak against the Cowboys. Guy Fisher okay. talking to people about what time the Jets are playing. Friday, 7.30 p.m. Still have not heard from John Franklin Myers. Sauce is aggressive. He's going to frustrate a lot of receivers. A lot of positive returns from Sauce, man. And you already know, we kicked around, was it the, a, a smart move to draft him with the, with that number four pick? The kid, he looks like he's like he's the real deal so far, man. Because I, I keep hearing from so many folks, the kid is huge. I'm excited. Shout out to Kenny Rayner. 
Um, he says, hey, again, I want to go back to the comments over here. Scott Kalisby, no, that means people are betting heavy on the other side. They're trying to even out the bets. That's what that means. Guy Fisher, again, talking about sauce. Keep hearing that this kid will park safety position. So he's talking about the safety position there. Scott Kalisby with his predictions. Jets are going to go 27-0. and uh, Jets are going to go 45-0. and Yes, CJ, we can. Don't be so mean. This is in my rant about the green and white practice, in which I, I still expect to see more from this football team. John Suggs, again, we mentioned him. Thank you for joining the show. Offensive lineman Caleb Beninock, do you think he will start at right or left tackle? At this point, I think he possibly may start at right tackle, uh, regardless of the addition of Dwayne Brown. Kind of makes the addition of Dwayne Brown now a necessity rather than a luxury. Scott Kalispe telling me to have faith. Yeah, no, I have none. So I said we got to sweeten the deal for him. Guy Fisher, Mike Westoff liked us. Uh, Scott Kalisby, we're going to do it. Double-digit wins. If we don't win 12 games, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I know he must be hitting his crack pipe over there. <laughs> Guy Fisher, is a painkiller supposed to make it better? No. Painkillers are not supposed to make it better. Painkillers are supposed to give you all some humble pie and keep you guys on the on the straight and narrow. <laughs> Scott Kalisby chimed in. No, he isn't. He's supposed to tell the truth. Dwayne Brown. I actually put two comments in there. They may have no choice depending upon the severity of Bexton's injury in regards to Dwayne Brown. He's got to sign him first, but he also could be facing a suspension. Something about he took a gun into an airport at some point during the offseason and he's facing charges. Scott Kalisby chiming in. For the last decade, we've had a lot of ifs. I'm thinking 7-0 out the gate. Zach for MVP. Again, he must be tugging on his crack pipe. Thomas Gutman, shout out to him. Thank you again for joining us. This is just terrible in reference to Mekhi Becton, but I'm not surprised. One iota that he got seriously injured. I would have been more surprised if he didn't. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> Scott said, oh boy. We don't know if he's seriously injured yet. As far as what Salah said, it's stable. Let's see. Before we dive off the deep end, let's see right. exactly what it is first. All right, John Suggs again. Thank, uh, thank you for contributing to tonight's conversation. He started only 14 out of 33 games in two seasons, including six games he didn't finish because of various injuries. His weight became a major storyline last season when he ballooned to about 400 pounds as he recovered from surgery. Guy Fisher wants to know, why didn't we draft or get someone in free agency to have just in case of this? This was something I was bitching about, Guy. You guys heard me say this the entire offseason that I felt they still had work to do on the offensive line as far as depth is concerned. I think so, they still are. I think they still are also. John Suggs, you think that they should use Keelan Cole more? In my opinion, I think he is the number one wide receiver over more in Davis. Uh, they got to resign Cole Who? because apparently he's not on the roster anymore. No, he's playing uh, He's playing for somebody else right now. Who did Jacksonville play the other day? I think he was on the opposing team. Uh, he played the Raiders. He's in Vegas then. JR from uh, Weapon Top Mission Briefs chiming in. I hope you have that same energy for tomorrow night's show. Just you should. Do you should. For tomorrow night's show. Hey, oh, what, my God. What does it go? What does it go? <laughs> Guy Fisher laughing hysterical. Preach, CJ. Call Falk. Thank you again for tuning in tonight. Count to 10, CJ. Uh, CJ needs needs shots of the urns behind you. He's talking about the two things behind you there, Kevin. <laughs> Those so. are going to be full these next couple of weekends. I might have to take some pictures. <laughs> yep. You know what? I can't take pictures. I'm sorry. <laughs> Guy Fisher, man, Joe Douglas had a chance to grab Evan O'Neill. Scott Cleesby telling me I need a hug. I'd have Beckton couldn't give you a hug, but he can't walk right now. Laugh out loud. Kenny Rayner, thank you again for joining in. I appreciate you sharing the show, my friend. I look forward to your comments on the show tonight. Sports guy, Jado, what's up, fellas? I will say that the Jets look good out there, and I expect Zach Wilson to break out. From your mouth to God's ears, my friend, Jado, let me tell you. Kenny Rader, I was on with Errol Marks last week. Jets suck. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate you. Scott Kalispe, we'll see that now the NFL is having the refs look at illegal contact. This is going to affect Sauce a lot. 
He's very handsy when he's in coverage. Florencio Rodriguez jumping in. What's up, fellas? Becton will be okay, but we should be on the lookout for cuts for the next couple weeks from other teams. Kenny Rayner jumping in. Jets will always suck. <laughs> Laugh out loud. God, I hope not, dude. Let me tell you. I don't think my liver can take much more of it. <laughs> Call Falk. They better not run Hall into the ground. They will. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Rayner saying the Giants are better than the Jets. <laughs> Simon Baccarella in the chat. Thank you for, t for tuning in. Cole is the number four at best. Spotty got a flip phone. He can't take picks. Laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> JR jutted in. Not the Vagiants, Kenny. <laughs> Laugh out loud. That covers all the comments for tonight's show again. Thank you, guys. Keep those comments coming. We love reading them on the air. And we love you guys so much. And thank you for tuning in. Speaking of which, that actually takes me to my next topic of conversation, Jax. Now I'm going to put on my official voice because I really would like to hear the former defensive back in you come in and take hold and grace us in the football oh. church of Weapons Hot in Always just a little bit. That. But now I have to get my official announcer's voice. Attention, attention. <laughs> the NFL has determined that NFL referees are now going to be on the lookout for more illegal contact penalties. This basically means that the pussification of the NFL continues <laughs> to run rampant as far as throwing flags. Pretty soon, an NFL football game will look like nothing more than a laundry toss match. Mr. Jackson, please give us your thoughts on the said illegal contact rules that will be taking place this upcoming season in the NFL. I can most definitely see uh, your point. I do think that it may have an adverse effect on what wide receivers get away with. If they are going to adjudicate it fairly, as a DB, guys easily get away with pushing off quite a bit. And if that's the case, then I think that, you know, you're going to see some instances where there's going to be guys that push off and it's going to take points off the board because that they'll throw that flag, they'll bring that play back, and, and whatever outcome would have been fleshed out by the illegal contact made by the offensive player, I think that's going to be difficult to kind of measure. So I don't like it. But, I mean, I get it. You are spot on when you say that they're they're really kind of ruining the product with as much as what it is that they're doing here. And I don't think it's just going to affect rookies in particular. I know that there are some veteran guys that have been technicians at what it is that they do and being able to kind of grab on the slide when you're, when you're tapping that hip, you know what I'm saying? I think some of that might end up, you know, resulting in penalties. This actually sounds like a rule that probably towards the end of the season is going to create some difficulties. It's going to create some some horrible takes, but it'll stay on the books just because, you know, the, the, the league wants to see more points. And if they feel like what it's going to do is it's going to create some mismatches because DBs are going to choose not to try to engage as tightly as they normally would. And I don't know, it's really difficult to say in this. I see where you're going with it and, and the pussification, I guess, if that's the word that you use, if that's real. Um, but I do think it's also going to affect the offense. And I think that is probably going to be where the NFL is going to end up having to really question their decision on this rule. My turn to talk about this little rule, which I actually talked about a little bit with uh, Mr. Scott Kalispie off the air today because he was the one who actually brought this to my attention. So, again, thank you, as always, Scott, for bringing some good stuff to the table. Give us some stuff to talk about here tonight. Now, as far as the NFL going out of its way now to instruct referees to start looking for more illegal contacts... That's probably the biggest bunch of bull I have ever heard in my entire life. And the reason being is because there is going to be so much illegal contact going on. The whole purpose you have a five-yard chuck rule is so that way both the receiver and the defensive back are trying to get position on one another. Does that contact translate past five yards? Absolutely it does. So basically what you're telling me is, is that... 80 to 85% of offensive plays are probably going to end in a penalty. If there is any type of contact at any point 
that the receiver is interfered with, that the defensive back is interfered with. This is an absolute slippery slope that the NFL is trying to navigate. Because this is going to affect both sides of the ball. Not just one. It's not just going to affect the cornerbacks. It's going to affect the wide receivers as well. Because the wide receivers are not going to be able to push off. The wide receivers are not going to be able to hand check. The wide receivers are not going to be able to hand fight. To go up and get the ball without some sort of flag coming out. Because of illegal contact. You know how you fix this? You extend the chuck rule to 10 yards. Hand slap, push off, check, elbow, whatever. If that's what they gotta do, that's how that's how you increase you increase the chuck rule. I wish. Nah, that that kills the offense. Let me tell you right now, I mug, I mug somebody, man. I take all their jewelry, wallet, everything within the first ten yards. Gotta be butt naked before he gets into the break. And you already know they want the quick releases. They want all of that stuff. If you got ten yards, you're dragging a guy when that slant is normally open or, or when that quick hit is is normally open without penalty, and that kills offense. That is gonna completely jam the offense. So I don't know if the NFL would, would look kindly on that, but as a DB, I'd love it. Please implement that rule. Every cornerback in the league would sign off on it. <laughs> Trust right. Me. Well, this, well he, here's the thing. The NFL may as well turn, if, if they seriously are going to go through with this, I, I could see this rule lasting maybe two to three weeks before somebody complains. And then ratings start to drop because instead of watching 30 to 24 football games, we're watching 10 to 7 because there's 50 penalties on each side of the ball. And I hope the first referee that gets punched in the face is Tony Carrenti. <laughs> okay? So, the illegal contact rule is stupid. Let these guys play football. That's what they get paid to do. All right? Let's stop trying to pussify the, the game of football. It is a gladiator sport. I mean, This is what people pay show. money for. People pay money to see people fight for this football. Am I right or am I wrong? They pay quite a bit of money at that. All right. So the problem is, is that Roger Goodell and whoever the hell NFL officiating is, I, I, I think it's Al Riveron still, right? The dude who I wanted I to hit so. with a shovel last year and the year before that. So the thing is, is that we need to stop with these bogus rule implementations and for referees to be looking out for this and that and the other thing. And now they're going to start calling this more. And now they're going to start calling that more. Stop it. How about let these guys play football? Shove the whistle up your ass and let these guys play football. Very plain and simple. If it is a blatant hold or a blatant pass interference play or a guy blatantly gets taken down on a play, that's one thing. But now if we're going to start flagging people for illegal contact just because hand checking go continues to go on past the five-yard chuck rule, then that's going to create a problem. It's going to create a problem for the offense, and it's also going to create a problem for the defense. So can we stop breaking things that don't need to be broken? I'm going to use a Michael Jackson analogy. And the reason why I'm going to use this Michael Jackson analogy, it's not a racial thing. This is because the man before he passed, God rest his soul, he had about 15 different plastic surgeries on his face <laughs> to change his nose, to change his cheeks, to change his jawline, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so the joke is coming. The joke is coming is the NFL is starting to starting to look at Michael Jackson syndrome. Okay, it's called you keep fixing it until it's broken. You don't believe me? Go watch an episode of Botched. Weird show. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it really is, dude. Like especially when when you see breast implants gone wrong. Like what's fascinating is right. So important. Is that some of these people will go and they'll pay like. 
tens of thousands of dollars to go to like Mexico or Argentina or Brazil, cross into Europe or whatever to get plastic surgery done because some of the plastic surgery that's done here has to be regulated. So they do some other stuff like the butt lift, they put butt implants, they put yeah, breast Dominic implants, but one breast Dominican is up Republic, here and the other Dominican breast Republic is here. Dad, one dude who was like trying to turn himself into the human Ken doll, and they were telling him that if he had another facial surgery, that basically his entire nose and all the skin right over here up to his top lip was basically going to go gangrenous, and he was going to have a giant hole in his face. And what did he do? He still ended up going to Panama to go get another nose job, which was like the 13th nose job in a row. Let's do it. But I digress. I had to throw a little bit of humor in there. But you guys see the point that I'm trying to make, right? We're going to keep changing things until now they become irreparable. That way the game that you and I both love no longer becomes recognizable. Why? Because now a receiver can't do this. A defensive back can't do that. An offensive lineman can't do the other thing. A quarterback is only allowed to hold on to the ball for a certain amount of time. Or this constitutes as a sack. Or that constitutes as a, a forward pass. Or this constitutes as a fumble. They can't even get a catch right! For the past decade plus, they've been arguing about what is a catch and what isn't a catch. We've been on the short end of a few of those, too. Right. Lord have mercy. Austin Safarian Jenkins, what, he had like two or three touchdowns brought back that one year. Come on, man. So now I digress, and it's time for you, my friend, to take over ah. in your most wonderful Emmy Award-nominated segment of the show. Mr. Jackson is about to take us in the spotlight. So, Kevin, please yes. tell the audience who we have in the White Hot Spotlight this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, welcome back once again to Mr. Jackson's Neighborhood. Today in the spotlight, Carl Lawson. I know we can do Makai Becton because the, the injury thing is as big a deal as it is, but until we know for sure exactly what's what, I kind of don't want to comment because we have a tendency as, as a fan base, as a group, as friends, to kind of kick this stuff around and it really kind of gets a little ugly. And I don't think we should really be being ugly towards Makai Becton. As I say that, let me pull it back. Um, because Carl Lawson is most definitely going to be a problem for whoever is playing an offensive line position. Whoever's a left tackle or a right tackle or however, you know, it's gonna, he's going to end up lining up. And I think he's going to move around maybe just a little bit this season. I think what it is that we have there is a huge influx of talent in a position. It's going to change the complexion of games, right? We can talk about the offense, but the offense historically takes longer uh, to kind of get in shape than, than what the defense does. And uh, if any indication from what it is that we're hearing in practice is correct, no one can guard or can block Carl Lawson. And that was the point. That's why Joe Douglas paid him all of that money. That's why he was one of the, the most important free agent additions from last season. Even if you heard me in particular, and I know CJ and Jimmy can both vouch for this, I was banging the table for Carl Lawson because I didn't necessarily believe that the sack numbers were the indicator of how impactful he can be here, the quarterback hits were. And that's where he excelled. Um, and that, you know, to be honest, in this scheme in particular, I think that's where he's going to make his bones. I'm really excited about seeing that, especially because of some of the additions um, that we've made in other positions um, on the defense. Um, because we still have some questions about what the interior depth is going to be. I think those main guys, Quinnen and, and John Franklin Myers and Vinny Curry and all of those guys, I think those um, are going to be accentuated by what it is that we get from Carl Lawson. I am extremely excited about what our defense is going to look like. Um, do I expect that we're going to put up points on offense? Yes. But do I also expect that teams are going to have a hard time getting into rhythms because of the disruptive nature of what Carl Austin does? And to an extent, if we push out a little further, 
what it is that we quite possibly will see from Bryce Huff, what it is that we're going to get from Jermaine Johnson, who was in the spotlight a few weeks ago, because I think that he is going to have an impact also when we get towards the middle and the, and the late parts of the season. But early on, telling you right now, keep your eye on Carl Lawson. That cat is starving hungry right now. I think he is so ready. And every time that you hear the coaching staff have to tell you that, oh, yeah, we're pulling him back a little bit because if we didn't, he would just, yeah. That's the kind of dog that we're talking about. And obviously, you all know, we've needed dogs for quite some time. Man, we got a chain link fence that might be too short, all the dogs that we got in the yard right now. I mean, I'm excited about seeing how that's going to work out. But Carl Lawson is most definitely one of the most talented players that we've had at that position since, again, going back to Abraham and Sean Ellis and those guys. I think this is the X factor. And because we made some additions on the back end and because we still have some questions at linebacker, um, I think that the addition of, of Carl Lawson and his skill set makes it a lot easier for those guys to pick up. It makes it a lot easier for those guys to learn as they go. Um, and it also makes it easier on the back end because now you have cornerbacks and safeties that are going to be making plays on poorly thrown balls because the quarterback's under pressure. Guys, this is going to be short and sweet just because realistically, we're really going to start seeing how it fleshes out over the course of these next few weeks as we finish out preseason. Um, I don't actually expect to see Carl Lawson at 100% until that first game in Baltimore when we literally take him off the chain and tell him to go ahead and at full speed, you know I'm saying go for yours. I'm excited to see that. I'll be in the house for that. If you guys have not already heard me talk about it, um, I'll be with the Jess Lounge guys in the booth. I'll be at, the, I'd be at a few tailgates uh, as it's going right now. Really excited about that, but um, if you see me, come chop it up with me. Kind of depends on the setting, but uh, if we can work it out, I'll you know first rounds on me. Carl Lawson, guys, this is what it is that we've been waiting for when we talk about pass rush, and I'm very, very, very excited about what it is that we're going to see. CJ, talk to me, my man. I mean, I know, I know we we've kind of kicked around some of this stuff before, but Carl Lawson is the guy right now because we may not actually see it you know, as much as we would like to in the preseason. But when the regular season starts and when those, when you hear that, that boom, when you hear the lights come on and all of that, that's when it jumps off. What do you think? Uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you feel about Carl Lawson in this, in this defense? Carl Lawson was supposed to be a major player in the defense last season. That's the reason why the Jets invested heavily in him. I mean, that's the reason that was one of Joe Douglas's big gambles along with Corey Davis. So, you know, the Jets' defense was supposed to be much improved, but the problem is is that Carl Lawson ended up going down with injury. The defense ended up having to carry the offense because of the lack of the offense being able to move the ball, but I digress. But here's the thing. With the amount of pass rushes that the New York Jets are bringing in and with the rotation that Salah likes to play on the defensive line, Carl Lawson is going to get his fair share of reps, and he's going to get his fair share of being able to do some damage. The question is, Absolutely. can he actually do the damage that we're expecting him to do? And that's the $64,000 question. It's All of this looks great on paper. Right? All of this looks great on paper. But you know what? At the end of the day, you need to produce, right? So if they don't produce, there's going to be big-time problems. All right? So as far as Carl Lawson is concerned... You know, if he's at 75, 80, 85, 90%, and he can go out there and give the Jets' defense a fighting chance or contribute to giving the Jets' defense a fighting chance, then yeah, then our defense is going to be a, a problem for a lot of teams in the NFL. But what is my biggest concern is the offense needs to be the big problem for other teams in the NFL, not just the defense. Because our defense has had to carry us in games. And I'm sure that there are going to be a couple games next year, or more than a couple games, where the defense is going to have to carry the offense. 
But again, the onus is going to be on the offense to pull its head out of its ass and put points on the board because that's the only way that this team is going to win. That's why it goes along with my mantra for this season. Show me. You went out, you signed Tyler Conklin. You went out, you got C.J. Uzama. You drafted Garrett Wilson. You drafted Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner. You brought in a couple other free agent acquisitions, right? It's all well and good. But if it doesn't translate into game day on Sunday and the Jets are still losing 42-10, to 10, then nobody gives a shit. If we're losing 42 to 10, I think I'm going to go pick Carl up and we're going to go stake out in front of Ulbricht's house and we're going to make sure his ass is out of here. So, so if we start looking like that, Carl, look out for your boy. I'm on the way. <laughs> no question. Thank you again, Mr. Kevin Jackson, for your wonderful In the Spotlight segment. Hit it out of the park as always. Kids, it's time to wrap it up. Final thoughts. Jax, you're already on the podium. Give me your final thoughts for tonight. Nothing's changed uh, with regards to my sentiment that this is a hell of a time for us as Jets fans. I see a a few kind of idiotic posts here and there, uh, but more of what it is that I'm seeing and and starting to see now is guys that are much more engaged in the process. They actually are paying attention to what's going on. And I think there are some folks that maybe are a little more optimistic than they want to let on. I keep seeing all of these seven and nine or uh, yeah, uh, seven and ten or, you know, eight, nine predictions for the season. And I think that most of us would feel like that was a letdown if that were the case. I think nine to 10 wins has to be the threshold in order for us to be satisfied. And if we don't reach that, um, I think there's some guys that say playoffs or bust. I'm, I'm kind of with them on that. But it is, again, a hell of a time to be a Jets fan. And I'm really excited for all of us uh, because realistically, we deserve it. We've been wallowing in trash for how many seasons? Um, We've been watching it kind of unfold where stupid decision after stupid decision after horrible decision after moronic and and harmful decision is being made. And we're starting to see a a little bit of a corner turn right now with Joe Douglas and how it is that he's building the team and Robert Sala with how it is that he's managing the team right now. So I'm really excited, man. Hell of a time to be a Jets fan. These next few preseason games will tell a lot. Um, I don't really think there's a lot to be kind of kicked around at the top end outside of what it is uh, that's going on with Makai Becton. Um, but I'll reserve judgment for that until I know for a fact exactly what it is. As of right now, guys, I'm looking forward to chopping it up with y'all this season. We got a, a semi-real game coming up on Friday. Let's see what the first and second teamers can do. All right, this is where I'm at. Coming off the green and white practice, I still think that this team has some improvement and some kinks that they need to work out before their first preseason game against Philadelphia. This is the week of practice in order to do it. Yeah, it sucks the Mekhi Becton injury. All right? Let this also be a cautionary tale that when CJ the painkiller DeSimone comes up here and says that Joe Douglas needs to sign more depth off uh, offensive linemen, someone should make sure that he gets the memo. Because now the Jets are going to be scrambling for low-level offensive linemen to come in to solve a depth problem that could have been solved three and a half months ago. All right? So... That being said, the only thing that I want to see is continued effort. I want to see a good effort against Philadelphia. I want to see Zach Wilson in the offense play not just a drive, not just two drives. I want to see them play at least a full quarter. Offense go out there, even if you're executing basic vanilla plays. I want to see you guys get your feet underneath you, shake off the rust, go out there and perform the way that you're supposed to. Same thing for the first for the first string defense. I want to see the first-string defense be able to go out there and get after it in simple base 4-3 coverages or 3-4 coverages or a 4-2-5 hybrid, okay? Whatever Jeff Albrick is deciding to roll. If Jeff Albrick is going to make Guy Fisher shut up once and for all and say, stop saying I should be fired, 
then this is the year that he needs to do it. And those are my final thoughts for tonight. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at Weapons Hot Show. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime on the other side of the glass, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy. Plenty of ways that you can consume Weapons Hot every Monday night right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, 7.30 p.m. Tune in. Go to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network page. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe button. Go to the Weapons Hot page. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe button. Download the app. If you have an Android phone, just search up WWSRN. Download the app if you have an Apple. Go to the iOS store and search up WWSRN as well. And you'll be able to download the app and not only be able to catch this awesome show, but all the awesome shows that are out there like the Sports Loudmouths, Off the Mat, and a bunch of other stuff on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As those guys over there do a tremendous job. Shout out to Errol Marks and Speedy Petey for all of the hard work that they put in every single day and every single week to keep this network afloat. Every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, yours truly on Jets World and also our Facebook page over there, Mission Briefs. Weapon Time, quality Mission content. Briefs. All right, quality content, uncensored content. Be sure to come and check us out. Be sure to give the page a like and a follow. Message us. We'll message you right back. We love talking to fans about this football team. Also, leave us some feedback about how we're doing here on Weapons Hot. You enjoy the show. You enjoy the content. You think we're great. That's awesome. Leave us a like. Leave us a smile. Leave us a rating. Okay, if you think we suck and we know nothing about football, that's fine. You could go and post on our page, and we'll fire back at you. We're not shy, and we don't care who we jaw with. Okay? Plain and simple. We're going to tell it to you like it is, whether you like it or not. That's what makes this show great. But you know what also makes this show great? You. That's right. You. The fans. Round of applause for you. Everyone in the chat, everyone who tuned in tonight, all five of you right now that are still watching, we appreciate you. you. We love you guys. This show is nothing without you. And again, thank you for taking the time out to join us tonight. For Mr. Kevin Jackson, otherwise known as Spotty Blackman on the other side of the glass. And for the five people still in the chat watching right now, this is CJ, the Painkiller D. Simone, signing off. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. And I'm going to leave you with a couple of pretty cool sound bites. One, two, three. And this has been Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.